You are listening to content from Christ Our Hope Anglican Church in Fort Collins, Colorado. For more information, you can find us on the web at ChristOurHopeAnglican.org. And now, here's today's message. I want to begin today's sermon by stating directly one of the plain truths of Scripture. We are all sinners. This is true from our very first breath. A sinful nature is part of our inheritance as sons of Adam and daughters of Eve. We spoke this in our psalm today when we said that in sin I was conceived. From the very first moment, even in the womb, that sinful nature has been part of who I am. Paul makes it clear as well in the book of Romans where he writes that sin came into the world through one man and death through sin. And so death spread to all men because all sinned. As men and women who were made in the image of God, we were created for eternal life and an everlasting relationship with our Heavenly Father. But Adam's sin forever marred that relationship. It cut us off from the Father who is to be our source of life. And instead of life, every one of us is destined for death. Unfortunately, the news gets worse before it gets better. There is nothing that you or I can do to take care of this sin problem and restore our relationship with God. Sin is not just an environment that we were born into like a long-standing family feud that perhaps someone who is just selfless and giving could rise above the family feud, could could end the, the enmity between these families. It's not something that is just that environment that it's around us. It's actually part of us. It has seeped into our bones. It has become part of who we are, such that we cannot not sin. Everything that we do apart from God has the very nature of sin. We are not merely sinners by communal affiliation, by our connection with other people who are sinners. Every act that we take apart from God without the restoration of His Holy Spirit is sinful at its core because not one of us loves God with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our soul, and all of our strength. And that is the standard that Jesus set. Not one of us loves our neighbor as we love ourselves. And that is also the standard that Jesus set. And this is to say nothing of all of God's laws that we break each day, the many ways that we sin in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We confess that every week, and we actually really mean it. I hope that there's that moment where we have, when we're doing confession, where we have that moment of silence before confession, where you take a moment and allow God to bring up to your mind the ways that you in particular have sinned. This week, today, this morning already, there are ways in which our hearts and minds wander, where we do not give our full love and attention to God, where we know what He has called us to do, and we don't do it. Romans 23.23 makes this clear when it says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And 1 John 1.8 says, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, 
and the truth is not in us. There are times where we are more or less aware of our sin, perhaps times where we feel better about the way that we are walking before God, and times that we feel that it is worse. The truth is that it's always there. It's lurking in our hearts. It's around us and in us, waiting to devour us, leading us to that path of death. I'm sure that you've heard this before. You've had people tell you and proclaim to you the nature of sin, but it is good for us to be reminded of this. We need to remember how deep is the plight of sin for each and every human being because there are times where we can just kind of forget about it and tuck it away, where we kind of know it in our minds, but we kind of forget how deeply it affects us. But we need to know and remember the depth of sin, not just the sin of humanity in the abstract, not just that sin is a problem, but we need to remember the depth of our own sin. And the reason that we need to know this is because it is only when you understand the depth of the problem of sin, how deeply it is part of who you are, how much being a sinner is the core of your identity without Christ, that you can understand how good is the news that was proclaimed to us in our reading today, that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. And that means that our own plight, as dark and as heavy as it may seem, and the plight of this world, as disastrous as it may appear at times, maybe seems like it's hurtling towards death, that it's just speeding there, trying to get there as quickly as it can. But it is not without hope. And we are not without hope. Neither you nor I can overcome the power of sin, not in our own lives and certainly not in all of its destructive force within the world. No matter how many people we gather together with the hope of doing good, we cannot turn the world into this fundamental place that does not have sin. We can't fix things with enough technology, with enough social structures, with enough, enough safety nets. There's nothing we can do that will make things without sin, that will restore things to the way that they should be. But the message of the gospel is there's something that God has done and that God can do. This is the good news that we gather to proclaim, the reason that we come together to give thanks to God and worship, because He has sent His Son into the world to save sinners. And that means He has sent His Son into the world to save you and me. When Jesus told the parable that he said, told today, and he's speaking to the Pharisees who are grumbling about the fact that he gathers and eats and dines with sinners, that he rubs shoulders with those who are not righteous, they miss the irony in the parable that they are also not righteous, that they also need him to come and bring them back. And he's doing that. He's rubbing shoulders with them too. He goes and dines with the Pharisees. It's the Pharisees who are often portrayed as Jesus' enemies in the Gospels, but it also we saw just a couple weeks ago when I preached, he's eating with them as well. 
because he didn't just come for the tax collectors and the sinners. He came for the Pharisees as well. Jesus came to save sinners, which means that he came to save each and every one of us. None of us can claim to be righteous, can put ourselves in that fold of the 99 who are there. None of us can grab that title and hold it for ourselves. But all of us who have known Jesus, who have received the gift of salvation, who have died to sin and been raised to death in our baptism, we can see and look at our own history and say, Jesus came for me. He left the fold of those who are righteous, those who have been saved, those who have been declared right before God. And he came to me. And he put me on his shoulders because he loves me. And he carried me back into the fold. Jesus left the 99 and he came out to you. Wherever you were when you realized that God was drawing you to him, it's because he came out to you. And he stepped among you into your life and he said, you, come home. And he picked you up and he carried you. And he brought you back among the fold of those who are counted righteous. Not because of any merit of your own, not because of anything that you did to deserve it, not because of anything you ever could do to deserve it, but because it was an act of grace, because he loves you. Jesus came for us while we were still sinners. All he desires of us is faith, that we put our trust in him, that when the shepherd's voice calls, that we say, yes, here I am, so that he can pick us up and carry us back. And what's amazing about this, too, is that he carries us back to be among the righteous, even though we had no claim to be counted among the righteous, that's where he takes us and places us and puts us. Once Jesus has saved you and brought you back, the most important thing about you is not that sinful nature that you cannot overcome. It is that he has overcome we heard in our psalm today as well, we were reciting there about he's going to wash me clean. The stain that sin puts on us, the, the shame that it leaves in our hearts of being associated with sin, the filth that we feel is wiped away, is cleaned by the blood of Christ. God declares us righteous before him. This is the theological statement of justification, that we who were sinners are now declared righteous because of what he has done, because we are actually made righteous through what Jesus has done for us. And that sin that had seeped down to the very core of our being is instead expunged. It's wiped away so that we are holy before God. The relationship that we were supposed to have with him, that we were created for, that is the only place where we can find our satisfaction and our joy, is restored in him. This may seem like a simple presentation of the gospel, of the good news. 
But we need to hear it over and over again because it is so easy to forget how good this is. How much our lives should be shaped by this. How much we should praise and give thanksgiving for what God has done. The ways that we can and should walk in righteousness because we have been made righteous. That we are no longer sinners and we act sometimes like we are still slaves to it, like it is seeped and it is still at the very core of my being. But if you have received Jesus, if he has given you his Holy Spirit, at the core of your being is God's holiness and righteousness. And that is who you are. Above all other identities that may lay their claim on you, that is who you are. And don't forget it. And yet, we still sin. I actually think in some ways the gospel is all the more amazing because of this. Because I can almost understand what Paul says in our reading from 1 Timothy, where he says that God showed me mercy because I acted in the ignorance of unbelief. And what I am amazed at, even more than that, is that God shows me mercy when I know exactly what I'm doing. There are times that it breaks my heart to know that I do that, where I see what I have done, that I have been brought back, placed in that fold, restored to relationship with God, and yet I walk away again. But this is the heart of the story, right? It is those who are among the righteous, one is lost in the parable that Jesus tells, and they leave the fold. They were there. It's where they belong. It's where they're supposed to be. And yet they walk away again. And Jesus goes out again. Again, there's nothing I can do to bring myself back into that fold. There is nothing I can do to restore myself to righteousness, to bring myself back into relationship with God. All I can do is trust once again on Jesus' grace and mercy to come out and find me and bring me home. People of God, this is so important because one of the traps that we as Christians fall into again and again and again is we can look back and think, well, God has saved me once. And now it's up to me. I've got to clean myself up before I can come back to him. I've messed it up. I was washed clean and then I went and played in the mud. The only thing for me to do is to clean myself off before I go back in the house. But it can never work. You cannot wipe away the guilt of sin on your own. You cannot take away the stain of its shame upon your heart on your own. All you can do is hear the shepherd calling. Say, here I am. Take me again. This is the Christian life each and every day. Each and every day we are called again to die to sin. To accept the grace and mercy of God. 
And I am certain, because it is just a certainty, that there are some of you that are feeling the weight of that today. That even as you sit here and come to worship, what's on your mind, what's eating at you, is some sin that is in your heart, some pattern of sin that you have fallen into, some way in which you know that you are not righteous, that you are guilty before God, some shame that you feel about the fact that you can't overcome it on your own. And I am telling you that it is true. You cannot overcome it on your own. And yet the grace of God, the goodness of God, the eternal patience of Jesus Christ is such that he will come to you again to bring you back into his fold, to wash you clean, so that you can be really and truly righteous, not just in some status before God, that doesn't actually reflect reality, but that you can know that sin itself has no hold over you. Not because of your willpower or your self-control, what you can do, but because God has given his Holy Spirit to you. And that because of that, you can walk in righteousness because of what he has done for you. It is never your own work, it is his, but he does that for you. And this is such good news. But you cannot get to that good news by hiding from him, by trying to keep your sin to yourself, by trying to present yourself to him as one who is already clean. You can only receive this grace through confession and repentance of turning away from your sin. And we turn away from this sin not just because it, it somehow breaks us off from something that we didn't really want anyway, but because the relationship that we have with God, the joy that we are brought into, is far greater than anything this world can offer us. This is the good news that we need to remember over and over again. Do you cling to this good news? Do you come back to God with confession and repentance new every morning, trusting in His righteousness, trusting in His grace, trusting in His mercy? Because there is no other way to live as a Christian. There's a song that has a line that comes to mind right now that I sometimes feel. There's a, a singer who says something along the lines of, I thought that I'd be further along by now. I thought that I would no longer need so much grace and mercy. And that so reflects, I think, what it is at times to be a Christian. I thought, I thought I wouldn't need as much grace. I thought I wouldn't need as much mercy now that I've been doing this for 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 years. But every day, you need his mercy new every day. And this is not just good news for you. The good news of the gospel is never to be held for ourselves and ourselves only. This is good news for those whom you love. Because I know that for all of us, there are people who we would love to walk with Christ. That we would love to have them respond to the voice of the good shepherd. We love to see them carried back into the fold. And there are times that we want to give up on people. We think it has been too long. They are too set in their ways. The sin is too much a part of them. They'll never come to him. 
you cannot see them as Jesus sees them, not entirely. There is no one who is beyond the reach of his love and mercy. In fact, the example of Paul, he says, you've shown me mercy, you've shown me this great mercy, so that when others look upon the mercy that you have shown me, that they will come to you as well. And so this is part of what we need to do as Christians, is to walk out openly and say, God has shown me mercy, I was a sinner, I am a sinner, but God calls me back again and again, and he makes me righteous again and again. And there is no one whose reach is beyond this. Do you believe that? That there is no one whose reach is beyond God's mercy. There is no one who has sinned so much that they cannot be redeemed by his love. Because if you hold on to that, which is true in everything that the Bible tells us, if you hold on to that, then it will change the way that you interact with those whom you love. It will change the way that you pray for them will change the way that you look at your neighbors because every single person that you see is someone whom God loves, whom he has sent Jesus to, and they may be brought into that fold. No matter how vile they may seem, no matter how different their political opinions may be than your own, no matter how long or deeply entrenched in sin they seem to be, this is the heart of Paul's example, right? He says, I was so deep in sin. I thought I was righteous, as so many in this world do, but I actually was so deep in sin. And yet, Jesus reached out and saved me. And this is a hope that we have about the way that God works in the world. He has not stopped from the beginning until now, pursuing his children walking after lost sheep and bringing them into his fold. And so we can have hope and we can pray with hope and we can have conversations with hope because there's an even greater joy to this as well. Again, revealed in what Paul said, the work that he has done in you is not just for your sake. This is always true of the gospel from the beginning when God called Abraham to when he saved Paul to when he saved you and when he saved me. We were not saved for ourselves alone. This is not good news just so that I can have salvation. It is so that I can share it with others. I would not know about the gospel without my mom. If God had not called her and renewed her heart, That was the connection for me. All of us has someone who shared it with us, who told us about the good news. And there yet may be someone whom God will use you to bring to him. We are called Christians. We are little Christ. We get to walk into the world as he did calling lost sheep with the same authority that Jesus does in the hopes that some will recognize his voice and come to join us in that fold, come to be known righteous. If we understand how deep is the plight of sin and we understand how great is the gift of grace, 
how can we keep it to ourselves? How can we not respond with joy to what God has done and hope for his salvation for the world? This is your calling as the church to live each day aware of God's grace and mercy and carrying forth that message to others as well. It is a joy to do so. I hope you share in that joy with me and with all of those who have been brought into the fold of the righteous. This sermon is an audio ministry from Christ Our Hope Anglican Church in Fort Collins, Colorado. If you are in the area and would like to learn more about how you can worship with us in person or online, please visit us on the web at www.christourhopeanglican.org.